Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson and with me today is Lucas Stock. This is a podcast that is dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian uh, Christian faith. <laughs> we thank you for joining us as we explore, discuss, and grow together as followers of Christ. There's probably going to be a new intro here soon, I'd have to imagine. Uh, so hold yeah. tight. We're, uh, we're working on we're something working a little bit more <laughs> uh, explanatory for who we are, what we are, what we do, who we hope to be. So this might be the last time you hear that clunky intro. Um, but today... We're doing a Christians of History episode, and our particular Christian is Nick Ridley. Uh, Nicholas, um, you know, maybe just N for short. I don't know. I didn't really talk to him in real life. So Nicky Rids. Uh, yeah, so Lucas is going to give us the rundown. You want to want to start? All right, yeah. So Nicholas Ridley, uh, he was uh, a bishop in the Church of England and a martyr, Um he lived from approximately 1500 um, until October 16th, 1555. He had quite a, I mean, maybe maybe lengthy isn't the right word, but quite a significant uh, career during the Reformation in England and in the Church of England. Um, and he ultimately ended up dying on account of his reforms um, as a martyr, he was burned at the stake, but that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, I guess. So to go back to his early life, he, like I said, he was born around the year 1500. I I couldn't find an exact date. Um, He, his family had some ties to different schools. So he was able to get an education, even though, you know, he wasn't like the richest family or he wasn't the oldest son of the family, but so, but um, he ended up studying at uh, Cambridge, um, as well as spending time in both France and Belgium, going to uh, universities there and studying. And um, he, during this time, as he was, you know, moving on in his studies, he was studying theology, studying, um, you know, in these different places. This is, you know, he was born in the year 1500, so this is right around the time of the reformation when he would be studying if he was born in 1500 i imagine he he you know probably went to school right around pretty close to the time that you know people in england are maybe hearing about the 95 theses that luther uh you know kind of kicked off the reformation with you know he's he's going to continental europe probably during the 1520s which is when a lot of these debates and battles over the Reformation are really getting underway, you know, that's that's not even the height of Luther's career yet. So I, I have to imagine that during this time, especially uh, on university campuses, as he was sort of going through his training and his education, that he would come into contact with some of these ideas, that he would be, you know, sh- kind of shaped by that that atmosphere of... of you know, a newfangled way of doing Christianity that's kind of bursting on onto the scene. And like, how does that fit with what we've known and all those sorts of questions that I, I can't even really imagine what it's like to, to work through. Um, but work through them, he did. Um, and a big one was the doctrine of the Lord's Supper. He ended up um, coming to a pretty firm 
you know, conclusion that, that really comes out in some of his later writings and later debates that he got into towards the end of his life. Um, the, the doctrine of the Lord's Supper, specifically his opposition to the Roman Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation, was like a really big deal. He, he made a really big deal out of it. And he, he seems to have, at some point during his, his education, maybe he came, uh, became influenced by a work from the 9th century by a monk named uh, Ratram. Sometimes I've also seen his name translated as Bertram. I, I don't know why there's a difference there, but he was engaged in debates on the Lord's Supper in his own day during the 800s, and he had some writings that, that survived, and, and it seems that Ridley uh, was reading them, and Ratram, he taught something that was a little bit kind of out there for for the church at the time in the west um but in latin he taught that the body and blood of christ um in in the elements of bread and wine in in communion um those elements are the body and blood said in figura non in verite meaning they the bread and wine are the body and blood of christ in figure not in truth which on first read, kind of sounds like almost like like a like a Zwinglian sort of memorialist stance. I don't think that that's really what Ratram was getting into, or what Nicholas Ridley is going to be advocating for in his own writings. Um, that's a much more complicated discussion that maybe we'll get into at, at another point. But um, to quote Ridley himself um, in his his later written right before he ended up dying, um, he wrote a treatise on the Lord's Supper. And he writes that, quote, the natural substance of bread and wine is the true material substance of the holy sacrament of the blessed body and blood of our Savior Christ. So what we see in this quote is his opposition to transubstantiation, where the substance of the sacrament the substance of the bread and wine becomes the substance of Christ's body and blood, meaning there's no longer the natural substance of bread and wine. Um, but Ridley is arguing that the natural substance of bread and wine remain in the sacrament. Um, and, you know, to a lot of modern ears, especially if, if you come from maybe less sacramental traditions or you, you're not you know, familiar with debates over the Eucharist, the presence of Christ in the Eucharist, that kind of thing. Some of these might sound like pretty obscure, you know, silly things to be debating about. Um, but at the time, especially in the, in the medieval church and the Reformation era, era, these kinds of debates are what split churches. I mean, Zwingli and Luther, I think, I think in our Luther Christians of History episode, um, Jens, you even mentioned this, Zwingli and Luther agree on 14 out of 15 theological points, and the 15th that they can't agree on is Christ's presence in the Eucharist. And because I'm of that, pretty sure didn't didn't one of them like go away crying? Yeah, like it was such a yeah <laughs> big deal. Uh, and, and because of that, the the Lutheran and the Swiss Reformation they didn't merge together. Like literally because right. of not because of like you know whether or not we should take communion or anything like that, but because of the question of Christ's presence in the Eucharist. So these are really important questions. Um, 
especially to these figures writing during this this you know time of upheaval and and reformation um and it's important to nail down like something that was so important to nicholas ridley i think um and i think it's also really important to point out that ridley wasn't arguing against the real presence of christ in the lord's supper he's arguing against transubstantiation he's not saying jesus isn't really here you know he says um that the the natural substance of bread and wine is the material substance of the holy sacrament of the blessed body and blood it is the body and blood sacramentally it's not the body and blood transubstantially so that's as nitty-gritty as we're going to get on that Um, if you are if you are a little confused just hang tight just a couple of weeks we have a sacraments <laughs> little mini series baptism lord's supper coming up where we're going to explain those things in depth sneak peek for you yeah yeah so anyway um i wanted to spend some time on that because that was a major feature of of nicholas ridley's sort of academic and theological life and and uh debating and, and writing that he would go on to do um so he eventually, after his education, he returned back to England. He spent time in the church. He was eventually, in 1547, consecrated as the Bishop of Rochester. And in while he was the Bishop of Rochester, he worked pretty closely with Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who's sort of the architect of the English Reformation. He wrote, basically, the Book of Common Prayer. Um, he was responsible for... The Book of Common Prayer being distributed, services being held in the vernacular, uh, readings from the Bible being held in the vernacular, all of these kinds of Reformation uh, tasks that that we see all over the place. And in England, a lot of those were sort of led by Thomas Cranmer. Um, and so Nicholas Ridley is working with Thomas Cranmer to, to push forward the reform of the Church of England. He's, at this point in his life, 1547, you know, the Reformation's been going on for a while now, and Ridley's all in on, on reform. He, like we, we've already sort of pointed out, he's he's very concerned with, with the Roman doctrines of, of the Lord's Supper. But more than that, um, he, he also um, wanted, you know, had a much broader view of reform. So part of what he did as bishop uh, is he helped Thomas Cranmer work on the Articles of Religion, the 39 Articles of what you know what would eventually be narrowed down to the 39 Articles of Religion, which are um, one of the founding documents of, of Anglicanism today, um, as well as the Church's liturgy. He also spent time trying to implement reforms in his his own diocese while he was the Bishop of Rochester. He he forbade private masses to be said. He made sure that communion was being served in both kinds to the laity, meaning that meaning that people were receiving both the body and the blood of Christ instead of just receiving the bread. They were receiving both, um, which is a feature of medieval Catholicism that has a long, you know, history that we don't need to get into. Um, and he even helped. Uh, I think he was on one of the like draft committees for the first Book of Common Prayer, which was eventually published in 1549. So he he was he was obviously like really involved at a high level in the the Reformation process in the Church of England, um, but his name isn't one that at least in my experience I, I come across the way that I do like Thomas Cranmer, who's sort of like the guy. If there is a guy, you know, like we've got Luther in Germany, maybe Zwingli in uh, 
in uh, German speaking Switzerland. We've got uh, Calvin in in Geneva and, and French speaking world. You know, if you have sort of these one pe- you know figureheads you can point to in England, it's Cranmer. But as we can see, it, you know, Ridley is is another name that's well worth remembering because of the role that he played in these really really important steps uh, in the Church of England's reform process. Um, he also continued to take part in, in lengthy public debates on the doctrine of the Lord's Supper, arguing for for the position that that he had come to, um, you know, based on Scripture and the Fathers. Um, and then in 1550, Ridley became Bishop of London. And he, during this time, I think it was, you know, the source I was referring to really pointed this out. And I think it's it's kind of neat to see, like, while he was Bishop of Rochester, it seemed like he was really concerned with reform. Um, and I don't know if this was something that happened on purpose um, because of his experiences while, you know, serving in the Diocese of Rochester, or if this is something that just the, the book I was reading, you know, chose to highlight different things for his different, um, the different uh, bishop, bishoprics that he served in. But um, in while he was Bishop of London, he really seemed to earn this reputation of hospitality and love. He he regularly preached all around the diocese. He was really well known. He hosted people at his home who, you know, maybe didn't have a place to go or, you know, maybe weren't even necessarily people who were big fans of his or big fans of the reforms that he was advocating. But he never stopped sort of showing that hospitality and that love that that I think is really becoming of a bishop in Christ church, I think. Um, and it was kind of cool to see that very like pastoral heart come through a little bit along with the more like, you know, logistical leadership type implementing reforms to, to help, you know, uh, bring the, the church, revive the church of England in a way. Um, however, despite being a, uh, seemingly well-loved Bishop of London, um, it wasn't going to last forever. Um, in 1553, Mary became queen. We might, you know, if you're not familiar with your English history, uh, you might still know her as Bloody Mary. Not the drink, but the name, the queen that the drink is named after. Um, and so she was a devout, like a, a very committed, very zealous Roman Catholic. And when she became queen, she tried to basically undo all the reforms that had been going on over the last few years in the Church of England. So part of this process involved arresting Nicholas Ridley, among others, for treason because of the Reformation faith that they were teaching and, and that they were implementing, you know, in in the churches under their charge and stuff. So incredibly, uh, he basically spent a long imprisonment um, in the dungeons in the Tower of London, uh, <laughs> uh, studying the Bible with his friends and writing his brief declaration of the Lord's Supper, <laughs> where he kind of lays out. Um, I, I'm currently I'm about halfway through it. I'm reading through it, and I'm just like, he wrote this without access to any books, literally in jail. And I'm like, man, I can barely like motivate myself to you know spend half an hour a day reading <laughs> like it's uh it's pretty it's pretty amazing some of the things that you know people in this time did you know with well their, when you don't have the distraction of phones and tv and i guess computers, i guess like, so yeah 
Um, so yeah, and he, and during this time he was he was corresponding with fellow prisoners, um, uh, you know, and, and among whom you know included Thomas Cranmer <laughs> among others, and um, as well as he was sort of brought before various like judges and stuff uh, to kind of evaluate his his doctrine and and have him sort of defend himself. It reminded me of I don't know legally if it's if it's comparable to this or if it's something different, but it reminded me of like. Martin Luther coming before the Diet of Worms to say, you know, yes, I wrote these things. No, I don't believe them. Or yes, I do believe them. You know, um, it, 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 I don't know the details, you know, in the English versus German, like legal ecclesiastical court system or whatever, but it seemed pretty similar to that kind of a thing. He, you know, predictably, he didn't go back on any of the reforms he was <laughs> so known for. Um, and then in October, like I said, October 16th of 1555, uh, Ridley was led to the stake and burned. Um, so he kind of earned uh, his martyr's crown, um, being committed to the Reformation faith that that he had spent basically his entire, you know, churchly career fighting for. Um, it's a pretty nasty story. Uh, he was, it, it, I think, if I understood correctly, he was basically tied back to back to a stake with with some one of his other friends who was in prison and the side of the fire that ridley was on like whoever built the the uh the fire like didn't do a good job so the fire wasn't like catching and like burning up it was kind of just staying kind of low so his legs were like getting burned and he was like trying to like kick loose the wood to like make the fire burn him quicker but like it wasn't working and like they had to like put they like tried to put more wood on it but that just made it take longer and he was like you know basically it sounded like he had an even more torturous end than just merely being burned at the stake because it sounded like he wasn't burned at the stake very professionally (laughs) um which it kind of blows my mind that like there were actually people who were burned at the stake yeah i'm trying to imagine not just like what that felt like like for the person who was at the stake but wasn't it like a a spectator probably thing like uh, yeah. people would come and watch. I feel like that's kind of the like image I have from like movies oh and, and and stuff like that. Um, Blows my mind. Yeah. So that uh, is a brief treatise on the life of uh, Nicholas Ridley, bishop and martyr. Um, and I would highly recommend um, if you are interested in. Ridley's life at all or interested in in his thought especially on the Lord's Supper which like I said is really just like sort of the highlight I think mm-hmm. of his theological contributions at least um, you can find his brief de- brief treatise on the Lord's Supper online um, you can read the text in full online uh, at uh, New Wit Church Press that's new and then W-H-I-T Church uh, press. They have. They're a really cool little site. They're basically sort of preserving and propagating uh, historic documents from the Church of England during the Reformation period, from bishops and and monarchs and leaders and and poets and stuff. And they're they're all available for free online. And then you can also buy printed copies from New Wit Church Press as well. It's a really cool, cool little website. I'm really glad that I found them, and it was it's really awesome to get to read Ridley. Um, he also has his works have been published, um, and I know he has he has a lot of letters and stuff and correspondence. I haven't read any of those, but um, 
I would also. I wonder if was, were go. letters back then like the same as Twitter today? Maybe. Like I feel like so <laughs> many ancient, you know, theologians and pastors and whatever were writing letters to everybody. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it probably no was. Does you know, like like or at yeah. least you know the social media or the social of me- the day. medium. <laughs> I guess that's how you communicate. Oh, you know, that's that's yeah. Well, do you think there was subtweeting in these in these letters? Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. You know, I love hearing a nice subtle jab. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> oh man, it's so good. Um, and then also, um, oh, I was gonna say, yeah, he's also included in um, in. I, I don't know if I've never read it, but I've always heard about it growing up. Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, hmm. uh, he's Fox also writes about about Ridley as one of the martyrs that he has that he covers. So um, those are just some 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 like sort of for further reading type type things. Um, like I said. I'm about halfway through the treatise on the Lord's Supper, um, and it's super accessible online. And I would highly recommend if you're interested in that, giving it a read. Um, it's it's really interested, interesting, and um, it'll probably I'll probably have more to say on it uh, once I finish it and we we get eventually to our little mini series on the sacraments. But um, but yeah, Sweet. so that's Nicholas Ridley. Well, thank you, Lucas, and thank you, Nicholas, too. I mean. It's. I enjoy this segment of, of Christians of history because, yeah. on the one hand, I am a huge fan of history. I was almost a history teacher, um, but there's still something so fascinating and cool and, um, I don't know, even edifying to think about those who came before us, those Definitely. who, um, you know, I think of like, when when pe- like think of the new world, you know, uh, well quote unquote the new world, uh, America back. Um, before it was, you know, ha- taken over and everything. Like, think of what it was like to, like, make roads, like, or to build communities. You were literally, like, clearing paths. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, these people who have come before us have done that. They're Definitely. the ones who have gone forward, who have, you know, chopped down those trees, who have established, um, you know, beautiful monuments. And uh, I don't know. I just enjoy it. So thank yeah. you. And, and thank you for, for listening. Uh, to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. Um, we're not on Facebook. I'm sorry um, to all of our... Sorry, not sorry. Um, <laughs> all of our older listeners, maybe. I don't know who's on Facebook anymore. I don't, I'm not on Facebook. You've never had a Facebook, I've never I think. had a Facebook, no. I sorry, we're not there, there for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you can email us. That is an older form of communication. Um, you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com for feedback, questions, episode ideas. Send us your Christian of history, mm-hmm. um, who you want to hear about. Um, we have a pretty big list, but we're always happy to jump um, <laughs> I feel like know, every person we I, already have. I pick isn't even on the list. <laughs> I just come up with right, new people exactly. all the time. <laughs> And mine next week is not either, so tune in for next week's. Um, so Sign up for our newsletter. Check out logos.com slash doxologypodcast. Uh, We'd just love to hear from you. Peace. See you.